Welcome to the five of us. We are five outspoken women with close to 150 years of experience as broadcast journalists. We left our jobs on the very same day and we are dedicated to helping women avoid the many pitfalls common to the workplace. We've heard from hundreds of people recounting tales of woe on the job, and we have done the research, we're putting it all in a book, and we are here to help. I'm Roma Tori, and along with Kristen Shaughnessy, Janine Ramirez, Vivian Lee, and Amanda Farinacci, we are the five of us. Hi, everyone, and welcome once again to the five of us. Workplaces can be many things to many people. They can often be as warm and welcoming as a close family, but they can also be as toxic and off-putting as a dysfunctional family. And believe me, we have experienced extreme ends of uh, both ends of that spectrum. Uh, there are many reasons for an unhappy workplace, uh, but a common thread is bad managers. You know, we've often heard that uh, that line, there's no such thing as a bad job, it's a bad manager. And many of them that we have experienced and people have described are folks who have risen to their level of incompetence. And some folks call that failing up, but whatever you call it, these are folks who tend to wreak havoc on a workforce without any accountability from above. And so that's our topic for today. Now, we recently heard about a problem at News 12. There was an article in which it was mentioned that there was a, an exodus at one of the News 12 channels. And the, the folks who were leaving were complaining about two bosses in general who they said were rather um, disruptive and hostile. And so Janine, I think it was you who brought the article to our attention and it really did hit a responsive Cord because it is a sad refrain. It's a, a very pervasive problem, I think, in many workplaces that just play over and over and over again. Right. The article went on to say that all these people resigned, all these longtime employees, um, because of bad management, maybe in particular a couple of bad managers. But um, they claim that not only did the management not know the industry, not have the dedication to local news coverage, which is what News 12 is known for, but also created this toxic environment, this what I say goes, don't question me. And that's also a sign of a bad manager, right? Like when they cannot take feedback, when they're not open to discussion about what could be handled better, um, don't question me, I know, you know, and then you get a target on your back for questioning them. So, um, so all these people leave and the spin for management is, oh, we'll tell the, you know, the rest of the staff, well, they left because of personal reasons and they left um, because of COVID and, and, you know, it's their spin. And the employees are saying, no, that's not the reason we left. We left because this place has become a shit show. Basically, it's just a toxic environment that you've created and we don't want to be here any longer. So there's this whole battle of the narrative that plays out when, when a management gets called out, particularly this management, maybe that shouldn't be in place or has created this toxic environment. You wonder how some of these people have gotten there to begin with. But then there's also this the loyalists, the people who are, are loyal to that management who remain. So not everybody leaves under these conditions, right? Some people work and some people just play the game. So they play up to management, maybe they kiss up to management and they stay because they feel as if they're going to benefit. So there's also, you know, that whole 
part of it is the people who stay and they just get along because, you know, they may be moving up into some of these positions that have been left vacant by the people who resigned. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic that happens when there's toxic management in place and, um, and this News 12 whole drama is playing out before our eyes. And I guess we'll learn little by little as the articles continue to come out. Right. I'm, and, and okay, another article that came out, and um, Amanda, you brought this one to our attention. It was in The Atlantic in which they uh, described a syndrome in which uh, that they called the triumph of mediocrity. <laughs> and I have to say, my dad experienced this because he, he worked in the television industry in the very early days, and it started all the way back then. But he called it the success of failure. And it means the same thing. And he, he experienced it. So many people who didn't really do a good job down below got moved up in part, maybe because they weren't impressive below or they, the, their managers didn't uh, appreciate what they were doing, or maybe they were doing a lousy job. And so they just moved them up to get them out of their uh, particular department. But that's, that's a very common thread. Yeah. Part of the blessing, I think, of the pandemic is the fact that so many workers have like kind of put a stop to, you know, the, it's really shown the light on like workplace deficiencies and like what's what problems exist um, in the workplace. And, and I don't know, um, you know, you mentioned your dad having a different term for it, whatever you want to call it. If you can ask any worker anywhere um, if they know of a person in their business, in their office, in their industry who has, quote unquote, failed up. Everybody will tell you they know someone, they work with someone, and it, it is an interesting dynamic. Um, the, the article that I read in The Atlantic talks about the idea if you have this position to fill and you have two really good candidates, you take one who is, uh, let's say, for like a magazine industry, a position in a magazine. You have like a, a journalist that, that comes in and, and interviews for the job, and this person seems to hold a lot of promise but has no specific experience relative to the job that's posted. You put that person against a person who um, also has who may have magazine experience, but is known to have done a pretty shitty job in the job with the experience, or let's, uh, let's not say shitty, let's say mediocre. So as, as the person who's hiring, you are faced with a choice, right? Do you take the chance on the person who has no experience, which means you're going to have to spend money training them. You're going to have to spend time, invest time, money training, and take a little bit of a risk because you're, you know, you're putting somebody out there to say, try something new, or can you go with tried and true person who did not so good of a job in a similar type job someplace else, you, the expectation really should be that that per person will probably perform in a mediocre role. And that's kind of how, again, once again, because they've never, unless circumstances change and all of a sudden they rise to the occasion, time and time again, you see these people who have done a decent job and not a great job and come with all this stuff continually being rewarded because it is less expensive for an employer to to keep somebody who's in there and already knows all the ins and outs. The other part is, is that, um, you know, people who fail up at some point have succeeded in something, right? Like they have gotten where they need to be because they've done something right. But it may just be that that person just stops. And because they are, like Janine said, schooled at playing the game, they know which people to make friends with, they know when to say yes, when to say no, they put on a good show, those people are consistently rewarded. And it, it becomes very frustrating for the person who, back to the first analogy of the person who this hypothetical interview person who has a lot of potential, who if taken and hired a risk might really reap major benefits, not just for that person's career, but for the place where they're working, right? Like, um, 
And it, it sucks because it's a system that perpetuates because it's a lot easier, I think, on the employer side to just be like, yeah, this person comes with some baggage, but we know who they are, what they are. We know they'll coalesce to the way things are done. They won't probably introduce many new things. They'll just go with the flow and, you know, whatever. And that person continues to rise. But it becomes really, really frustrating when you look around and you're like, how the hell is that person in XYZ position and at the top when everyone else is busting their ass, this person's wreaking havoc and not really qualified or doing a good job. And you're everyone's sitting around like, how did this happen? And it happens all the time. Yeah. Well, when then they're the ones who give you a performance review, you're like, what the heck? ends up giving me my performance review. Yeah. <laughs> no, and they can use that against you when they decide they don't want you around anymore. You know, uh, one explanation for how that person got that job, Kristen, as we've seen as well, is that, you know, despite their lack of leadership skills, uh, these are folks who know how to play the game. And it's it's a very skilled talent these, these folks have that they can really wreak havoc on a workplace. It, it certainly is. And, and it is a skill. I mean, there are some great bosses out there, but there are far too many of these mediocre or bad managers. And you see those bad managers, as we've been talking about, just fail up again and again. And it's so frustrating if you're a hard worker who thinks your hard work is going to get you ahead. A lot of times it doesn't happen. I mean, Janine and Amanda were talking about the reasons why people you know, kiss up to those who are in power. Um, they, they're skilled at self-promotion, right? So we've all sat in a meeting where maybe you've had a, a boss who will sit and talk about how busy they are or how hard they're working. Well, the people sitting in the meeting don't have time if they're actually working to talk about how busy they are, or how hard they work. But that person often will get the attention of the higher ups. And also, I think there's something else that comes into play. There are a lot of people at the top who want someone who they can control. So if that person, you know, is in a position where, okay, we'll move them up and we can control them, that's, that's an attractive quality for some Bad executives as well. Um, so, so there's all sorts of different things. Also, there's the other thing, which you know you hear about before your career, and you think, no, that that just happens in movies. It's people who sleep their way to the top, right? It happens. Um, I think we all know people who have gone that route, and it has worked for them. And it's such a bad, bad example, but it it, it does happen. Um, I think there are also those LinkedIn profiles where you look, and you know you might find somebody who. Uh, people worked with and you, you watch the LinkedIn profile. And if you didn't know the person they were describing, you'd be like, wow, they sound incredibly awesome. Like we need them on our team. And then if you put the name attached to the LinkedIn profile, you're like, are you kidding me? Like, there's no way that those two things jive together. But, you know, if you can do the self-promotion thing, that really can get you far, which is the other thing I want to say is people who know how to do the corporate speak, right? So let's, we all know the phrases, right? Like, I'll circle back, I'll run it up the flagpole. You know, it's, it just sounds like, oh, yeah, I can do that. Let's the spread the on that. Yeah, we've got the tick. You know, controlled chaos, right? Like, yeah. whatever. <laughs> and it gives these people this like, undue credibility. And it works. So some of the people who fail up are harmless, right? And they're just kind of seat fillers. But other people, as you know, Jane, you were talking about, they can really harm a workplace and maybe they're not found out until it's too late and there's irreparable harm that's done to that workplace. And in that case, you've got yourself a big problem. So, you know, I always go back to titles are titles, respect is earned, but uh, sometimes those titles get people 
a far place and they don't really care if they have people's respect. And, you know, Vivian, a telltale sign of these uh, mediocre managers is when you do look at their LinkedIn, you'll see that they've worked in many places, but for short periods of time. And again, that's failing up. They, they leave a bad job or they, they leave a bad experience. And then maybe because of that one success that, that gave them their reputation or their good name, they're able to get hired again and again. And, and I think, you know, prospective employers will look at the LinkedIn and they might, I don't know, they might interpret it as, well, you know, they worked at this place and that place and that, they must be pretty damn good. I would tend to look at that and say, well, maybe they failed at each one of those jobs. You know, is there a reason why they never last at a particular, at a particular employment? So I don't know, it's, it's, uh, it's a conundrum. But uh, if, you're, if you're looking to hire, uh, I think that would be a red flag. I agree. Um, just listening to everybody weigh in, I can't help but think of high school. Like it's the politics of high school that is dominating the politics of competence wow. and yep. true capability. And, you know, if you just do a quick research on failing up, there are so many articles over the last several years following this phenomenon. Like there was one in U.S. Uh, news and world report on how you can capitalize on this phenomenon. So if you're passed over for a promotion, not only should you go to your boss and ask, you know, what can I do better, but go to the person who got the promotion and ask them, what did you do? Thereby opening yourself up, you know, to in a very vulnerable way. But there's also um, some study on the psychological effect of what this is known as. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. It was talked about in a BBC report about how hiring managers are seriously at fault for falling for one particular thing, overconfidence that a candidate exudes about their actual ability, which usually runs counter to the record of competence displayed by people who don't show that overconfidence. It's like really strange. And then, you know, the Wall Street Journal has done a report on, get this, uh, uh, an NYU professor of uh, psychology who has written a book called Jerks at Work, which says <laughs> it all. And her basic premise is, you know, everywhere else in life, you're told that when you fail at something, it's not a success. But people who fail up have turned this into some serious magic. Mm -hmm. And it's all about being able to turn a really bad situation into something good for yourself. For example, you may have blown a lot of money on a project, but then you come up. Uh, upfront about it with your client and let them know that you blew the money and with your boss. And then you're able to turn that into an example of, you know what, we're going to do better the next time because we were honest about it all the way around. So some people are very gifted at doing that. And then of course, there's the phenomenon of what happens when people complain about this and companies love to say that they are doing their own investigations about it. Right. But in a lot of cases, I mean, it's, a case of the like the fox guarding the hen house. There's no way a company's own HR department or their own managers outside of HR are going to be able to competently and neutrally investigate any allegation of wrongdoing. That popped into my head when Roger Goodell was put on the stand in front of the House Oversight Committee about what he did to try and get to the bottom of complaints of a toxic environment that enabled sexual harassment at the Washington Commanders. And what Dan Snyder did, you know, to try and stop those accusers' stories from coming to light. 
he's refused to testify pleading the fifth. I mean, it's, it just, it makes me wonder like at what point will workers start saying enough of this? Like we need neutral third party investigators to come in and look at allegations that we are bringing forth. It's not enough to just have an HR department anymore. Yeah. You and know, these failing up managers, you know, they're not so dumb in a way, right? Because they surround themselves with a couple of like loyalists. They have this circle, circle of trust. They have these people who, are, who will stay with them because they're going to benefit. So if I move up, you're going to, I'm going to take you with me, right? I'm going to reward you for this. So, so well, they- to not, but to not reward them is an admission of having failed in your decision-making on who to promote as a boss. So I think in a lot of cases, there are bosses who are like, there's no way I'm going to demote this person or take them out of that leadership position. I'm just going to punt them off to another department or a unit, put them in, in charge of another project. They're going to be somebody else's problem, right? And they know they're going to stay quiet, right? They know they're not going to speak up because they're failing up too. So, <laughs> you know, unless and they'll write a reference just in case this person decides to leave, but a nice reference so this person could fail up somewhere else. <laughs> but let's not forget, you know, it's, there's that good old boy network where the, the guys protect the guys. And, you know, you were talking about the confidence level, uh, Vivian. Um, being confident is a, a particular trait of the male species more than women, I think. Um, women tend, and, uh, you know, I hate to be to generalize here, but I think women put their noses down and they tend to come in and they do a good job and they don't necessarily boast about how great they are. Men, on the other hand, I think do a mediocre job, but they boast about it. And I think, you know, this is where the squeaky wheel gets the grease in uh, a, a lot of times. And my dog is coming to say hello. <laughs> There's somebody who do that too. Right? He wants some grease. What's that? Your dog wants some grease. I'm sorry. He just jumped on me. Anyway. Yeah. So these are, these are things that I think women have to really work, work on, you know, trying to compete with men in the workforce when um, they, they're not as loud or as, uh, as confident as uh, their male counterparts. And it's, it's frustrating. You know, there was something else, Amanda, that you um, uncovered, I think in, in one of those articles uh, Vivian, when you were talking about investigations and, you know, you, you can't really trust your managers to do uh, a legitimate investigation because, I mean, essentially you're, you're putting a target on your own head. As soon as you complain, you know that they're going to mark you as a troublemaker and you know, try to figure out a way to get rid of you. But Amanda, in, I think in one of your articles, it, it did say that, um, I think they explicitly said HR is not your friend. So don't expect fair treatment when you make a legitimate complaint because it's not likely to happen. Yeah, and it's a tough spot because then as a worker, you're like, how am I, what am I, what am I left with? What recourse do I have here? What am I supposed to, you know, and um, on the management side, I mean, there's some tips. I think that the, one of the things that I think is Harvard business review that I looked through that's like, as a manager, what do you do if somebody complains about a toxic employee, you have to take the complaint seriously. But I, I, I remember reading through some of what's in there and thinking like, these are all, all of the suggestions that people put out there, even from the, from the employment side. And even as as we've discussed ourselves, they all sound good in on paper, but like in practice, I'm not convinced that anybody really has a solution for how you handle this because yeah. 
such a broken system that like, you know, you said, if you complain, then you look like the asshole because now you've complained against the person that's, that's keeping everything, you know, like who are you to complain and what, why are you pointing fingers and you're rocking the boat? And these are people who are in some kind of protected class. We can call them some kind of like, you know, like you said, Janine, like this inner circle of people just not even sure. I feel actually bad that we're talking about this and I don't have like a good solid meaty piece of advice for anybody that I feel like could get them out of this because um, the system is so broken that um, I don't even know. I don't even know what anybody's supposed to do because as the worker who's on the other side of it, there's nothing more frustrating than feeling like you're in some place. That's why, I mean, this is why we saw at news 12, why everyone just left because I'm I'm sure, I mean, I'm, I'm not there. I don't know the specifics or whatever, but um, I suspect these people probably went through the channels they were directed to, to make the, the complaints to the letter of the law and express their concerns. And um, I, who wound up leaving is the good people in theory, right? Like that's what happens. Yeah. Right. Well, you want to have this anonymous hotline on the company work phone, really it's anonymous, like, right. Okay. So to, 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 <laughs> to lodge a complaint, but also uh, one of the comments uh, from the article that, that was posted online about news 12, one of the comments was in fact, there's going to be another meeting at News 12 to dismiss that anything is wrong at the station. So, <laughs> yeah, and, and you also always hear we take these concerns very seriously. Yeah, right. And they're really just trying to figure out how to do away with the, the, the uh, troublemakers. Um, you know, you raised the issue there, uh, Amanda. And so I'm going to throw it to you, Kristen. Uh, the question is what do you do when you're. <laughs> When, you, when you're confronted with a bad manager, the bad manager is supported by their bosses and they're surrounded by a team of loyalists who know that by sucking up, they're going to get ahead or at least maintain their job and survive. I mean, I think my solution would take decades to work, but you see when people speak up, companies get nervous, right? So you know, you see a lot of the younger generation, they're speaking up about work conditions, about vacation time and all that different stuff and, and quality of life where we just changes made by companies. So I think if a company thinks it's going to get called out for its bad behavior, they might be less inclined to do it. Might not always work, but I also think you have to, at the end of the day, you've, you've got to have your integrity. Yes. And if that, if that means calling it out, you may lose your job, you may lose your career. But if enough people start doing this and finding their moral compass and, and really like calling things the way they are, I think that's the only way it changes. Again, it could take decades. And also, you know, I think that really you do put yourself at a, at a disadvantage because they don't want people who they know aren't going to go along and are going to call out the wrongdoing. So you just have to be cognizant of that, but you also have to just do the right thing or want to do the right thing. All right. And so we can take inspiration from... Uh, several women who've done the right thing. And, I, and I'm speaking of the, the January 6th uh, hearings. And I mean, think about it. Who have become the heroes of these uh, hearings? Um, let's start with Liz Cheney. And uh, then there was uh, poor Ruby Freeman and her daughter. They had the courage to speak up knowing after, after numerous death threats. And then we heard from that, that very brave young woman, uh, Cassidy Hutchinson, who truly stuck her neck out. And, you know, I, I've heard that she had to be moved from her home because she was under threat. Um, it's all women. Look at that. It's all, it's, it's women who have set the tone for integrity in, in, uh, in 
what the the workplace or in the uh, in the White House or you know in in those circles. I'm I'm really impressed with that, and maybe they they will serve as a model for more women to, uh, you know, I hate to to use the term stick their neck out, but for more women to stand up and and speak out. There was also that Capitol um, police officer who hailed from. Yes, uh, grandfather right. was a Marine. I, all of these women, including that officer, they recounted what they went through in a non shrill way. Like I, I couldn't help but think of. Um, Dr. Um, Christy Blasey Ford. Yes. Right. 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 And how, you know, her calmness was juxtaposed with Brett Kavanaugh's own very emotional tantrum. I, I, there's, I, I can't call it anything but that. And I remember thinking like this was a person who was, you know, up for a, a position like the highest position possible of adjudication where you're supposed to be absolutely like, you know, the, the, just a sea of calm, like you're supposed to be the equanimity you have to show should be the opposite of what Brett Kavanaugh showed. And, and everybody remarked on that. And I thought of that same thing as I listened to these women who are recounting, like probably the most horrifying moments of their political career or their, their work in promoting politics and peace and good government. And, you know, I, I just felt like th- there they are. They're just saying it like it is, and they're doing their constitutional duty. And here are all these men who are saying, I can't, but don't want to. What was so interesting about Cassidy Hutchinson and at the end when she asked uh, what she was thinking and she, and she was like, she was dead silent. And then she said, it was a bad moment to be an American. Like it was a, it was a moment that made me feel like the antithesis of what being an American is like there was no, and I just thought like um, from that lens, um, we can all understand the idea of like what it is to do the right thing, right? Yeah. Like what it is to say this bullshit that they've been spewing about what happened in the election. And she said like everything, all of this was based on a lie and I just couldn't look at it anymore. And so just imagine, uh, you know, for all of us having the weight of, obviously we're not in the white house and we don't have these kinds of problems. Right. But like, for workers anywhere, when you have a situation that feels like it's got that that weight on you and you just can't say nothing, right? Like, and so that's why you speak out and you, and you say, you know, and I just, I thought that was so impressive and also so not um, surprising that it was a woman because I do know that like for myself and for you guys, probably like we take this shit home, right? Like, so if something's bothering you at work or wherever, you're going home and you're thinking about it and you're like, this, I have to, I think that there's a moral compass somewhere that that really like really beats hard and you it's very loud. And you know, I, and I think that's a great thing about women. I, I wish that more women were that way. Um anyway. <laughs> you know, I, I was going to ask you guys about lessons learned, but I, you know, I have to share an experience that I had when I was starting out. Um, my first job in television was actually as a secretary, and I I took the job with the understanding that uh, once there was an opening in uh, as a researcher or writer, I, I could eventually move up. And it, it took a long time, a lot longer than I expected. And one of the problems was instead of um, failing up in my case, I was succeeding down. And it, it was because I was such a good secretary that they refused to see me move up the ladder. And, and ironically, the woman I replaced 
had screwed up so badly as a secretary. They promoted her into a position that I, I, you know, had my eyes on, but they promoted her because the, the, the boss that I was working for didn't want her anymore. She was doing such a crappy job. So, you know, you, you, these are lessons that you learn, unfortunately. And I remember a lot of people had said to me, Roma, get smart, fuck up, do badly. And, and he'll, he'll move you up too. Cause you know what it is too? I think too a, lot of bosses, fail up. <laughs> a lot of, yeah, a lot of bosses are wusses and they don't want to fire you, but they don't want to work with you either. And so they'll, they'll, you know, go, go into another department, moving you, moving you up and out. Yeah. But it's the up because they're afraid to say you're doing a bad job. You know, they don't want to be, they're not confrontational. So I think Roma, you called it once the curse of competence. Yes. Right. Yeah. You got that. Yes. That, that. Yeah. Was my yeah. Thing. Yeah. And I, you know, I have experienced that many times in my, in, <laughs> in my life. All right. Let's talk about some lessons learned. Cause I, you know, I, I, here's my thought. You, you really, you know, that expression, you can't fight city hall. Um, and so often in these, in, in these uh, impossible situations where, you know, you're just surrounded by people who don't want you around you, you, I, I think you have to go into any job these days, not expecting to last forever. And the other lesson I've learned, and it took me a while to figure this one out, is that um, you don't need a manager. And a lot of women have this problem. You, you, you want approbation. You want to be complimented. You want somebody to tell you you're doing a great job. And I think we women in particular have to learn not to expect that to come from anyone but ourselves. We know when we're doing a good job. And for the most part, I think most people do go into a job situation where um, they're, they're excelling um, and doing the best that they can. But if you rely on a manager, there's just so many reasons why people want you to fail and they'll set you up to fail. So you can't rely on outsiders. You, you gotta you know, have that, that strength of character within yourself to say, I know I'm really good at this job. And if I'm not moving up or I'm not succeeding or people are putting me down, then I'm just going to move out and, and work somewhere else. And the, 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 um, the, the, was it the, the side part of that is that you have to be prepared to move out. So um, keep your resume up to date and network, 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 network as much as you can and meet as many people because uh, the, the, I think the workplace is um, is fraught these days, and you just don't know what you're going to step into. You know, life. What is that that thing from Forrest Gump? Life is a box of chocolates. You know, you never know what you're going to yeah, get. Right. <laughs> right, and so you don't know. I mean, you you think you're going into the best job in the world, and how many women have we seen? You know, writing extensively about going into their dream job and then finding out it's it's just a horror show. So that's that's my lessons learned. How about you guys? Uh-oh. <laughs> you covered you covered it pretty well. I, I think yeah, um, yeah. just to jump off of one of your points, you know, this episode is kind of like raining hard on bad bosses, but there are good bosses out yeah. there. So I think, you know, before you pave your, your way out the door, either the front door or the back door, just try and figure out, learn something from, from where you are and, and go to somebody who's trusted who may be above you, who can just kind of lay out the political landscape behind the scenes that you may not be aware of, try and create those confidential relationships and learn something as you exit, if, if that's indeed where you're headed. Otherwise, there may still be room for you to try and figure out, 
your own path. It has been done by competent people. Um, I, I would say like to try and exhaust that first before you absolutely march out the door. Yeah. And you can't jump from toxic environment to toxic environment, right? Like you just want to get out of someplace so badly. You just can't jump into something without doing your research to make sure you're not getting into some similar kind of situation. Um, and I was shocked to find out um, a friend recently said, oh, Janine, if you want to apply here, I have a great boss. Like, wow, when do you ever hear that? Like, come work over here because my boss is so great. Like, wow. Like, I was just like, that's a really, you know, that would give me a selling selling point. You know that maybe, you know, you trust this person enough that they're probably right. And you're going into a good work environment Um, rather than going into the unknown. Like, really do your research before you jump ship into something else that may be even worse. And also, I think you have to have, like, a lot of awareness about, who you're working for and also what the signs are that someone is undermining you or someone is like, you know, working to what, how, you know, you've got number one, a bad boss. Some of those things are obvious. Some of them are less obvious. It could be a boss that looks like they're helping you when really they're sort of cutting you down um, while they're quote unquote, like elevating you, but really working behind your back and, and getting in the way of, you know, my husband has this expression that he always says, he's like, I just want to do good work. And he's like, you know, describes experiences like that he's heard about of people, you know, saying like, uh, you just want to do something good, but this person gets in the way of being able to do this really good thing. Right. Um, There has to be some like real clear um, awareness of what that looks like, what that feels like. And once you see that, Kristen, you always say you can't unsee it. You need to like be aware of it and get like, I think awareness is half the battle for, for some of this stuff. Like if you know, you have a boss that is not great, you got to figure out what you're going to do with that, but you can't be in denial about it. Like once you've seen it, you're not going to, it's not going to not be what you think it is in your gut. It's not, it's just not. And you, that's, I think that you can choose to stay. Some people have to stay in their jobs, right? Like we know plenty of people who have to stay in jobs that are toxic and because they have to pay bills and for whatever other reasons. Um, But once you have that realization, you have to be honest with yourself about that because then at least you'll be informed and a little better, better educated about how to handle the situation that you're in. I think that would be my advice is just like open your eyes. I also think for companies, my suggestion would be don't have managers review managers, have the employees who work for the managers review them. And if you get a consensus, then there's probably either something very good about that boss or something bad about that boss. And if there's just a few people who are complaining, that's just whatever, that's a workplace, right? But if you, that would give you a better idea of how good a manager is or how bad a manager is rather than the manager who's getting their ass kissed is reviewing the person who's kissing their ass. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. That's Academia that's- often does that. Yeah, I was about to say, right? Yeah, at yeah. college level. And like yeah. residents yeah. at a hospital will evaluate their teaching doctors and like there, there are careers that hang on that sometimes. No, and I, I know that my kids, my kids were actually picking classes based on the reviews that fellow students had given to particular teachers. Um, and it, it, um, it does have a lot of, uh, there are a lot of benefits. There is a merit to that whole thing. Although sometimes kids can really beat up a teacher, <laughs> you know, but for the most part, you can, you can tell if there's a consensus. All right, guys, I think, um, we've pretty much covered the, the ground here. And so, uh, I usually like to end with some words of wisdom and I've got, I've got two quotations that I think, um, fit the, the topic today. The first one comes from um, a woman CEO named Nora Denzel. 
And she says, having a bad boss isn't your fault. Staying with one is. All right. And then the other one is the biggest concern of an organization should be when their most passionate people become quiet. And boy, does, does that, that touches a nerve. That's from Tim McClure. Is it? Yeah, Tim McClure. So anyway, um, thanks everybody for, for joining us. Thank you, ladies. It's always a great conversation with when we're all together. And um, folks, thanks for joining the five of us. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to The Five of Us. We want to hear from you with any questions, ideas, or suggestions for future discussions. Just write to us at the emails you see here, and we will be eager to help. Talk to you next time.